Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. It is BeckQLU on BeckQL app, at BeckQL app on Twitter. And you can search BeckQL on Facebook, breaking down the entire college basketball card today with myself, Eli Herskovich, at Eli Herskovich on Twitter. Tom's Twitter handle is at the Tom Casale. What's going on today, Tom? Not too much. I'm excited. Another big day of college basketball. I just, you know, I was, I was looking at the calendar and there was March 1st. It just made me think like almost a year ago. The, everything shut down, the tournament shut down, and it's it's right there. We're going to get the NCAA tournament. I cannot wait for that. I will never forget, uh, just a quick story, before we, uh, quick aside before we get started, breaking down the card. Hosting with Ken on You Better You Bet, Rudy Gobert, test positive for COVID. Fred Hoiberg was sweating his ass off on the Nebraska sideline. I forget who they were playing, maybe Indiana in the Big Ten tournament. They had like two football players on the roster that game. Do you remember that? Yep. And yep. Uh, Nebraska, I don't think, covered the game. And then I wake up the next morning. I had to sleep in the radio studio because I lost my keys. So I wake up the next morning and says, oh, the Big Ten tournament's canceled and everything else. And then we did yeah, a well, show. And that was hey, one of our last shows for a well, while. Thank God for the Big East for giving us that ridiculous half of basketball between Creighton and St. John's that didn't need to be played. I should have taken St. John's first half. I will always <laughs> regret that. They covered it. We're up at the break. Uh, Kilmer's, by the way, starting out back QLU. Tom, you wanted to get to this. Does Eli get royalties from his appearance on the Social Dilemma doc on Netflix? I don't even so, know what yeah, it is. I got to go into this now. Every Anyone who likes Eli needs to turn on the Social Dilemma. So last night, you know, there wasn't many even big games. Right, so, right, last night, there wasn't many big games. So I figured, all right, this would be a nice two-hour spot to spend with a wife before I, you know, I actually bought a home with an, with a, with an in-law apartment. Uh, just so I can barricade myself away from my family. So that's what it's going to be like for the next uh, few weeks. So I go out there, we put on the social dilemma. Right away, I see there's a guy that looks exactly like Eli. Uh, and I notice it like in the first 10 seconds. And I'm thinking, well, maybe this guy isn't on the show that much. I can go, you know, get through it. He's on every 20 seconds talking about this stuff. He used to work for Google. 25 minutes in, I shut it off. I said to my wife, I can't watch this anymore. She goes, why? I said, that guy looks and sounds exactly like Eli. Every time he comes on the screen, I want to say to him, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can trust Kentucky two and a half <laughs> at home. So I turn it back on for her because she doesn't know Eli as well as I do yet. And she's like, oh my God. She goes, it's not just the looks. It's she goes, it sounds just like him. I keep waiting for him to mention Austin P. <laughs> so how does please. she how does she know me just from the show? Yeah, and my, my son's names, ironically, are Eli oh, right, and Austin. Right, so the right. day you were talking about Austin P, get it? 
10 and five year olds think that's funny. So yeah. you're kind of like the Austin P guy in the house and, and also known as the other Eli. That's good. All right. I'll take it. I kind of want royalties. Please go to that. It, it's, it's amazing. Like I know some, some people saw the picture and said, this doesn't look exactly like Eli. Wait till you watch it with the facial expressions and the sound. I mean, it's scary. You'll have to turn it off. What facial expressions did I did I make in that show? Just like that, right there. Just like the smile, like you know, you like when you're watching somebody talk. Like you know, I talk with my hands and my face is all yeah. over the place. So if somebody looked like me, you would see it. But just the smile and like the it's if you grew a beard and grew your hair that weird whatever that guy had. <laughs> but that's uh that's that weird it's like all, all it is is pushed over there's nothing well, weird about it whatever well look, i don't have any here but that's eli's that's doppelganger weird. who apparently has a lot more money than eli because he worked yeah. with eli on facebook and everywhere else i'd uh, like a check in my mailbox by but please, please listen go there and then come on to our social accounts and let us know what you think watch that social dilemma social accounts what are you like 80 years old <laughs> twitter account what the fuck all right i'm almost 80 i'm getting there you get there eli's a great actor i've heard his yeah uh, fuck that i'm not even i'm not even gonna bring up the guy he doesn't deserve any recognition on this show at all doesn't deserve any cred on this show all right it is time after five minutes of Tom talking about why he's 80 years old and watching shows on his recliner and talking about social social, social accounts bet qlu on facebook and twitter I can follow it at BetQL app. Remember, I'm going to pull up our fancy schmancy graphic. You can download the BetQL app, and BetQL tells you which side professional sports bettors are picking real-time line movement and historical betting results. All right, after further ado, my friend, time to break down today's college basketball card. Patriot League lightning round. I kick us well, off, the, tip us off. The, this is, uh, this is a, a sad day for me because this is – this is it. This is the uh, the last Saturday. Uh, next weekend, we'll be talking about the Patriot League tournament, mm. which is big now because all the teams are in. Great decision by the Patriot League. <clears throat> so let, don't let me bore you to death here. Let's let's get into it. Uh, Boston at Army. This this game, I don't really have a strong opinion on, but one just one interesting note on it. Boston uh, Army is five and opened one forty two at home on the total. The totals dropped three points now to one thirty nine which is interesting. There's a big edge defensively for Army in this game. I would expect them to win, but I'm going to stay away. I don't see any huge uh, – Army isn't playing quite as well as they were early in the year. Um, Navy at Loyola is interesting to me. They played earlier in the year. It's a, it's a bad matchup for Loyola. They got blown out of the gym 70-52. Navy out-rebounded them, caused 18 turnovers. Interesting thing to me about Navy is I think maybe along with Drake, they've been the most undervalued team in the country. Like every week – the Navy's like a one, three, four point favorite. Can I, Go ahead. You, can I you, you, one thing. I don't yeah. think. I don't think. I just one quick point on Drake. I don't think Drake is just my just my take. I don't think Drake is undervalued. I, I think they've gotten lucky with some covers like the Missouri. Well, not State anymore. Game. I, I meant like got, earlier in the season. Like, I, like you would see like Drake like on the road three and a half against Southern Illinois, right? And Navy sure. hasn't played as many games as them. But I just think the the either the mark. I, I kind of look at that because it tells me maybe the market isn't as high on a couple of these teams as others or me, because I'm high on Navy. Like, let's be honest, Colgate's eight today. If they're at Loyola, they're minus eight. And I think Navy's the best team in the Patriot League. That's all I'm saying. Got it. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, listen, the, the line's about one. I don't, I don't disagree with the play. Navy's turnover issues concern me a little bit, but they'll be able to hang around. See, here's the difference. Like, we talk about it with uh, Loyola opponents, past Loyola opponents, 
um, in, in the Patriot League lightning round the past few weeks. Can teams hang with this team on the glass? And we've seen Loyola Maryland play better basketball, but Navy is one of the better rebounding teams in the Patriot League. Yeah, this isn't an official play for me. I'm going to sit this one out, and if Loyola wins, I'm going to hit Navy tomorrow on the back-to-back at, at home. So I, I lean Navy here. Uh, Lehigh okay. Lafayette, the you know Lafayette hasn't played since February 14th. Lehigh returned last week, and that was the game we gave out against Loyola. They got spanked by 30. Um, came back and beat Loyola the next day, though. But you know Lehigh, the youngest team and one of the youngest teams in college basketball, been fading them a lot this year. I lean to them a little bit with this high number with Lafayette coming off the the layoff. But again, I'm not going to take it. I might take the over tomorrow with these two teams because uh, they play a lot of high scoring games together. And then the big one, American and Bucknell. This is the one I was waiting for. I got a lot a lot going here. So this line opened four and a half. Uh, American getting four and a half, moved to five around 10.20 this morning, and now it's down to three. So late money coming in on American. Uh, Bucknell has been off since January 31st. Now, this is a team I liked in the Patriot League, but they haven't played in all four of their wins this year over Lehigh, who is the worst team in the Patriot League, in my opinion. So American played the tougher schedule. Now, they returned from a COVID layoff last weekend against Navy, and they've been 0-3, lost twice to Navy, and this is the big one, lost to Loyola on Wednesday night. But that was a big game because two of their top three scorers returned, Stacey Beckton and Johnny O'Neill. Now, they went one from 13 from the floor combined, first game in about a month for both guys. I love that they came back in that game because Americans actually been in those three losses, but they've had scoring droughts. They can, they have not been able to score without these two guys. Now they've had a couple days of practice. I like that all the teams can compete in the tournament. So Americans still playing for something. I, I like American to win this game outright at Bucknell today. Um, I would take plus three or higher on it. couple of thoughts on the game. Um, does the tempo concern you a little bit? If, I mean, neither team is a good rebounding team, but Bucknell, highest tempo in the Patriot League, American, second lowest. Yeah, I, you know, if, listen, if, if, if American gets down early, they're going to be in trouble, right? They're going to try to slow this game down, uh, hopefully wear Bucknell down in the second half. I mean, I do like this Bucknell team, but I think it's hard to come back after a month off, you know, missing a lot of practice and play that fast for two halves. Uh, so, you know, it, I'm not huge on this American team, but I think it's a good spot with those two scorers coming back on Wednesday. That Wednesday game to me was the one that made this a play because getting those two guys finally back in the mix and now this will be their second uh, game back. But this is a big game in the Casali household, and I'll tell you why. These are two schools that are on my top of my list for my sons to go to. But if Bucknell covers today, I'm crossing them off. You can take your 75 grand a year and stick it up your ass. We'll go to Lehigh or Holy Cross. Tom, just sticking the middle finger to the Patriot League. How about it? Hopefully some of those Patriot League reps are watching or listening to the show. All right, uh, moving along here on the board. I, I do like the play. I wish I could have. I, I probably would have been along there with you if I could have gotten a five. But down to three and a half, I'm probably just going to stay away. Maybe like to play it live. Again, I, I bring. I try to bring this up every show because it's not really recognized to the casual better as, as much. A lot of these live lines, are, all of them, are computerized. So... Mm-hmm. If you if Americans down four zip, you could probably get a plus five or better in the first couple minutes of the game. Yeah, um, and I mean, listen, an American stinks, uh, you know. But I just I like the spot with Bucknell with a long layoff, and them American played a lot better earlier in the year in terms of offensively when they had their all their players. And this is going to be the first time they've had them all back in practice for a couple of days. So I think that's going to be a big edge here today. 
All right, moving along here. A lot of games to get to still on the show. Might go a little over the top of the hour. Hopefully, everyone wants to stick with us. Uh, Texas, Texas Tech, big game in the Big 12. Uh, one struggling team that keeps getting money um, over the last hour or so and last 24 hours, really, since the soft opener came out. Texas Tech is a four-point favorite in Lubbock, a total of 136, and the Longhorns are plus 150 on the money line. Texas Tech has lost three in a row, but to three pretty good opponents, Kansas last Saturday, Oak State uh, on Monday, and they've had about, what, five days off, four days off going into this game. Going back to the last game that these two teams played, uh, Mac McClung hit the game-winning three when they were tied up with about, I think it was like two seconds left. Texas tried to heave, couldn't get it down there, couldn't get a, a clean look, and Texas Tech won that game. But Texas was up by around 10 at the break, and Texas Tech came back with their ball pressure in the second half, went to a zone in the second half. I remember that because I was on the Red Raiders in that game. Texas missed a ton of free throws. This is not a good matchup for Texas Tech just because of their no metal defense and the way Chris Beard packs you in defensively because Texas could shoot it, and they shot all over Texas Tech in the first half. Beard's zone just worked uh, because Texas went cold in the second half. I kind of want to play the Longhorns now that it's up to four, but it's it's probably a stay away from me because it's a good spot for the Red Raiders. Yeah, this line is way out of whack to me. Um, I, I see it as one or two, to be honest with you. I, I one of the things I worry about, we talked about this earlier, was this is a huge game for Texas Tech coming off three straight losses. And I think they're going to come out playing with their hair on fire. Um, and there's a game, we'll talk about the, this game later on when we discuss both teams, but the Arkansas-Alabama game this this past week, you know, I liked Alabama because of the matchup, but there was no doubt Arkansas's um, level of effort level was higher throughout that entire game. That was, I mean, they were... They were sky high, and I don't think it was similar to the Oklahoma game. I thought I don't think Alabama matched the intensity, so that would be the one thing here. Is I know Texas Tech's coming to play today. If Texas isn't on that same level, I like the Raiders, but I four points. I, man, the market loves Wisconsin and Texas Tech, don't they? Expecting a bounce back. I think the market, the market, plain and simple, thinks Chris Beard's team will get it together offensively. Though it's not about just their their defense and they don't have the athleticism to pair with this no middle defense. Like Mac McClung is not a good fit for Chris Beard's system. And you go back to last year, who was their freshman? I'm blanking on their freshman from last year. That was a one and done, but he wasn't a good fit either because he wasn't a true point guard. Mac McClung is not a true point guard. That title team, the, uh, the runner up that made it and lost to Virginia. I mean, Moretti was more of a point guard than either of these guys the last couple of years. And Moretti had to play off ball last year. So I, I don't, I think the market is just expecting this team to, to to have one of those games, and they could at home. It's a huge spot. Texas Tech needs this win. Do they're like down to six or seven in, in a couple bracketology projections I've seen. But uh, either way, stay away from us so we won't spend too much time on the game. The, uh, but you're Ramsey, right though about you. you're you're right about McClung though. You know, it's that line from uh, the movie Miracle. You know, uh, the I'm not looking for the best players. I'm looking for the right ones. The to me, that that explains McClung. I understand he's talented. I understand, you know, he, he he can light it up offensively. But to me, he does not fit into this team. And you've mentioned that a couple of times. And the first time you mentioned it, I, I packed it away up here. I thought it was a good point. And I think that's one of the issues with that team is they're just missing something. And they don't seem to be that typical Chris Beard team. No doubt. Uh, by the way, some money just came in on Tennessee. That line up to eight and a half. Uh I do want to hit on a game that's a little down the board, but somebody asked about it. So people are asking, might as well get to it. Florida State UNC. 
Uh, keep seeing comments come in. Why is Florida State, why is money coming out on UNC? I believe the line is down to, let's see here, down to two. So it got as high as three late last night, now down to uh, two. So Florida State favored by two on the road, open uh, favored by a point, total of 152. And the Tar Heels are plus 114 on the money line. Florida State could be without three big pieces today, including MJ Walker, their best score. So that's why. Um, that's why money's coming out at UNC, and that's why the market isn't inflating this line even more from the opener for Florida State. I do think this is a great spot for UNC. Uh, a, a little bit similar to the Indiana point I brought up. This is a huge game. I think you get UNC's best effort, and they can match up with maybe not Florida State's athleticism, but they can match up size-wise uh, with Garrison Brooks and Baycott in the front court and Sharp as well off the bench. I think this is a good spot to take UNC, especially if MJ Walker is out. Osborne could be out for Florida State too. Um, but it's, let's see what the, I, I need to see the injury status and yes, um, yes, more money might come in on UNC and might make this n- number unbettable for me if it gets down to one or one and a half. But I, if, if Walker plays and he was out for the Miami game, which made sense on Wednesday, I probably can't take the Tar Heels. Yeah, this, you know, this is an interesting one. Uh, I had a tough live betting Wednesday. I bet. UNC plus two and a half live against Marquette and I bet uh, Virginia minus one live against uh, NC State and they both lost and to me those are two of the more shocking outcomes of the season I, I thought UNC was going to dominate Marquette I-, I really did so when, when, when they fell behind I thought that was a good bet the I, I don't know how to explain that game man Marquette was on it, it was one of those games where UNC just didn't look like they were there I expect a much much better effort today but like you, this I, this game looks even to me. I don't really give one team an edge one way or the other. Huge game for UNC, but I think Florida State is significantly more talented. So we'll see how it goes. I, this I don't really have much for this. This is a complete pass for me. Okay. Uh, if if UNC is still around two two and a half, and MJ Walker is ruled out along with uh, two other players that might not play for Florida State, or if, if at least MJ Walker is out, I'll probably be on the Tar Heels. Uh, because I think this is one of those games where you get that that kind of an effort and they have the size again to match up with Florida State up front. Uh, and that's where Florida State dominates is in transition, especially. Uh, moving along here on the card, Syracuse at Georgia Tech. Don't have a ton on this game, so we can kind of uh, hit on it quickly. The line is, I believe, is still at four and a half. Georgia Tech actually back up to five. A little juice on Tech. It can be a uh, total of 144. And the Orange are plus 180 on the money line. Maybe a little value on Syracuse coming off that loss to Duke. Uh, but they have played, I mean, they won three straight going into that game. So uh, Georgia Tech's playing really good basketball with Alvarado and DeVoe and Moses Wright, one of the best stretch bigs in the country. I think Georgia Tech's going to make the tournament. I know this m- line might seem a little inflated, but I'm not touching the orange. Yeah, the, well, I, I think Syracuse is going to play the 2-3 zone today. Uh, I got a late breaking news on that. So the Did Jim Beheim text you. Yeah, I got I have an insider at Syracuse that says expect a lot of two three zone today. So let's look <laughs> for that. Um, I actually initially liked Syracuse here. Uh, like you said, the line looks a little inflated. A couple of things that scared me away, though. One, they've been terrible on the road over. I mean, they get blown out on the road. Virginia, Clemson, Duke, Pitt, uh, just, you know, massacred them on the road. So that, that concerns me. And the other thing, too, what you said is Georgia Tech might be one of these teams that's getting on a run and you think you're getting value and they're just going to keep slaughtering these teams. So I... Initial thought was Syracuse, but I just don't trust them enough away from home to take the points. 
Kumar PA 74747561. Did I have to read all those numbers? No, but I did. Uh, says Tom versus Syracuse undefeated. I agree. The rants are fantastic. Uh, I appreciate them. Um, I mean, well, hey, well, hey, listen, if you have kids, go to your youth uh, basketball game. Uh, that coach would change defenses. So think about that. A youth, a youth basketball coach would change defenses, and the head coach for Syracuse won't. Doesn't make any sense. I think the first active coach we need on the show is Jim Beheim. I don't know how we're going to make that happen, but hey, Co- Coach Patsos, can we get, can we get a Jim Beheim tonight? You're going to get a lot of stares and uh, sighs. I can, I can tell you that much. All right. I don't think I don't think you would hold back either, which is the best part about it. But uh, he was on the show, if he was on the show. All right, uh, on to the A-10. Uh, VCU at Dayton. Man, did the Rams get lucky against uh, against St. Louis earlier in the week. TV Teddy, Teddy Valentine really took over down the stretch. Just completely whiffed on a, on a call where St. Louis shot a three. Didn't call. Like the guy got hit, hit on the elbow. And then VCU got uh, got a little luck, too, uh, with TV Teddy called a foul down the stretch in the final second. So I think St. Louis, uh, they played well, and they won that game yesterday against Richmond. Just a quick thought on the A-10. But uh, Davidson coming off back-to-back losses to St. Bonaventure uh, in a four-day stretch is a three-point favorite, which I don't think the, I don't think the, the market is wrong on this. Total of 131, and the Rams are plus 130 on the money line. Yeah, Davidson's a team I don't have a good feel for. I like them in that rematch against St. Bonaventure. The, you know, they, they lost that. The You know, they don't turn the ball over a lot, so I think that'll help. But um, VCU does turn the ball over a lot, but Davidson doesn't create many turnovers. So I don't see a huge edge. Davidson does have a rebounding edge. Um, which could be big here. This is a very interesting contrast of styles. VCU wants to press you. They want you to speed it up. Davidson, like I said before, kind of a poor man's Virginia. They play at a snail's crawl. So it's going to be who, whatever team establishes that style. I give a slight lean to Davidson, but I don't want to lay, lay three points with them in this game. Yeah, uh, there's really no match advantage for me. You mentioned on the glass, maybe Davidson has a slight advantage on the boards, but VCU's perimeter defense is very good. Uh, one of the best in the A-10, and that's where Davidson thrives yeah. is from three. Um, and also, just of note, like Davidson's still coming off that COVID layoff. We're talking, and I know they played like a scrimmage, what, a week ago? But three games in, three games in six days? That's that's tough to back a team, especially after two competitive and grinding games against St. Bonaventure. And so, one thing about those layoffs, though, we should mention, like we've heard yeah. coaches talk about it now, and, and even they said you can't even put it into words how much it – you know, saps your team. Uh, when And the, the words I keep hearing a lot from coaches is practice time. It's not even so much missing the game, but you miss all, you know, and that's why I'm going against Bucknell today. I mean, geez, you miss weeks of practice. That That's tough for a, for any kind of team, you know, so. Saw it against, we saw it for Baylor against yep, Iowa State. Exactly. I mean, imagine if Baylor hadn't had a COVID layoff. What would the score of that game have been? 35, 40 point win for Baylor. So that's and a perfect example right there. Well, you know, you know, I like my Cyclones. Well, I, I'm talking Baylor um, full strength, no yeah. look ahead game. Iowa State's in a lot of trouble. Let's be honest. They got two wins on the year. It's a good point. And by the way, that Kansas Baylor game, somebody asked in the chat too, or in the comments, like any games you like, I roll. Listen, we're, we're going through the board in chronological order. We'll get to the games. That's what about American? Yeah. What about American? Are you listening? <laughs> Hello. I said, Indiana, if it gets back to plus eight, please 
use your well yeah and, and the other thing too is you know it's, it depends on the card like last saturday there was like seven eight games i i, I liked this card this saturday card is tight uh, there, there's not a lot that really stands out so if there's some a game you want us to discuss you know be but especially me i'm a spot better i don't bet a ton of games so we're just we're here to give you advice uh and we'll give you leans if you want us to discuss a game let us know yeah, please leave. Tom is very, that was a very nice way to put it. Just leave leave it in the comments. All right, moving along here on the, on the board. Uh, LSU at Arkansas. You mentioned the Hogs coming up with that big win over Alabama earlier. My in the Hogs, week. baby. Your Hogs invested in the future in, in uh, Arkansas, I believe, the day after. Uh, mm-hmm. Arkansas is favored by six, total of 163, and LSU is plus 200 on the money line. Juice, I will say, is coming in on LSU. I mean, th- the books kind of have to price it that way. Uh, at least they are um, in terms of minus 114 at Canby on the Tigers plus six. Yeah, you know, uh, th- boy, if you like a fast game, this is the one to watch because these two teams going to get up and down the court. I mean, it, listen, you and I love LSU here today, plus six, but there's a problem. We can't trust their defense. I, yep. Like we talk about Iowa and Villanova. Those those defenses aren't great. This LSU defense is absolute trash. Uh, I mean, they can't stop anybody. This is a terrible spot for Arkansas, I think. that I mean, LSU is 153 defense and efficiency. I mean, that's that's an embarrassment. Let's be honest. But Arkansas was sky high for that Alabama game. One of the one of the highest I've seen a team all year after Alabama just second half, like, especially. Yeah, I mean they they really brought the. So remember, these are eighteen and nineteen year old kids. It's hard to keep that when you're that high for a game. It's only natural to come down a little bit. And this is a big game for LSU. I think this is actually going to be a great game. Uh, it's going to be a lot of back and forth. I would strongly lean six to LSU if I. If I could just trust their defense a little bit, I'd take them. But the but I do like this Arkansas team long term. The I think they're a team. They're an elite elite eight caliber team. They're still a hundred to one at some places to win it all. I mean the I like the coaching. I like I like the makeup of the team. I think them and Alabama can cause problems in the tournament. Yeah, um, just one. I'm not going to bet the game. I'm. I, I guess I lean to the six. But Arkansas third highest defensive rebounding rating in SEC play. When this team gets out in transition. They're dominant when you get Smith mm-hmm. at the rim. Justin Smith uh, transfer, think from Indiana. Yeah, uh, speaking of the Hoosiers, and uh, I mean they're and they're an excellent three point shooting team when they're in transition. Overall, and they'll be in, in transition today. Yes, against that defense, <laughs> uh, in below average three point percentage overall this season. But they they have some excellent three point shooters. Moses Moody, one of the best freshmen in college basketball. Jalen Tate, Note, all their guys can shoot, and it's a credit to Eric Musselman, former Nevada coach. Transfer you, everyone. It's where he was at Nevada. Um, Iowa State is transfer you as well, uh, even this year when they're having a bad year. But um, Arkansas has become transfer you and Justin Smith. Arkansas with Justin Smith in the lineup is seventeen and two overall. That's not against the spread, but that just shows you how much he means to that team at both ends of the floor. Yeah, because what is he, uh, Eli? Is he, is he a senior or what? what uh, I think he what? was a senior. I think he was a senior transfer. Yeah, uh, let oh, me okay. double check on that. Um, yes, yeah, this is his final year. Okay, that's because uh, one of the Arkansas is a team I really, really like next year, but I'm going to have to see how it shakes out. I think there might be some early value on their futures, but we'll talk about that in our uh, off season shows. Right, not a Saturday podcast, but appreciate <laughs> appreciate the mention. I will say, fun note, fun fact: went to high school with Justin Smith. Uh, he was with Jalen Brunson 
uh, they won a state championship for Stevenson High School. Shout out to the Pats. Uh, that's all I'll say about. But that. that's a great point about him, though, because like Arkansas is a good team anyway. But sometimes with these teams, there's that one player that takes them from here to here, and he's that guy for Arkansas. So as long as he's healthy, I think they're a formidable team in the tournament. No doubt, I'm with you there. Especially again, this team can defend with Smith on the floor. We saw it, what like Missouri against Arkansas, going back to the beginning of the conference play. Jeremiah Tillman had a field day against Vanover, who's. Th- just an awful looking guy, first of all, and they just can't defend for shit. I can't really do anything for Arkansas. So Justin Smith means a lot to that team at both ends of the floor, uh, to put it simply. Uh, on to Miami, Florida at Clemson. This line, I believe, is still sitting at. Hey, you finally got a pick. Here we go. Well, I'm not sure. This lineup is oh, 13 and a half, actually. What, what, Tom? What? Yeah, can I, can you I, gotta, I you gotta give them, you gotta give the people what they want, Eli. They're here for your picks. No one cares I, about my American picks <laughs> waiting for your picks. <laughs> hey, I have, I have picks coming. I have three picks in. Let's relax over there, buddy. Um, I need to see if one of Miami's players, we don't have a lineup yet. Um, yeah, I'm just waiting on, I'm waiting on an injury report for Miami before I, go full head of steam on the Canes. They're just really short rotation wise. They ran a seven man rotation against Florida state because they banged up, been banged up all year. There's nothing, there's nothing new about that. It's been a long year for them. The, you know, I I had a preseason future on them uh, because I like the makeup of their team, but when they lost likes, they lost a couple. I mean, the, I'm still kicking myself for not taking Georgia tech last Saturday, had that game circled, but that just looks like to me, you looking at Miami and South Carolina, two teams that are begging for this season to be over with. It's been a long year. It's so uh, there's no way. No, I know, but I'm just saying that, but to your point, when you start getting so thin and and you, to me, that's what's happened to both Miami and South Carolina. They're not the most talented teams to begin with. Then you start taking away some of that depth and it's really hurt them throughout the year. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, they were a contender to, potentially in the ACC this year if Likes was healthy, but he hasn't been healthy his entire career at the U. So uh, I'll be on Miami if Beverly plays. They they need a little bit more depth today against a Clemson team that isn't going to allow them to score in the half court. Miami's going to have to run on this team to keep it within. I know it sounds crazy, but to keep it within, what, five possessions, within four to five possessions. So give me Beverly and I'll take the Canes. Otherwise, a numbers play for me for sure if Beverly plays. Yeah, I mean, mean, Clemson is not the best 13 and a half point favorite. Let's be honest. Stemple 10 says, let's get to that game. People are asking about it. Uh, I just want to hear Eli say he can't bet U of I. I can't because I'm in the fucking state of Illinois. (laughs) Illinois legislature sucks. I know for New York, you can't bet legally there. So you don't want to get Tom out of rad. Tom (laughs) talking about Jim Beheim and uh, uh, the inability to bet the state of New York legally is quite the combination. I'm not asking for much. I, I'm really not. I'm a simple man. I just want to be able to bet on my phone. It's 2021 for Christ's sakes. It's true. Um, all right. So we talked about Miami Clemson, Oak State, Oklahoma. This line, I believe, is still sitting at uh, Oklahoma laying the five. Yes, it is. Total of 139 and a half. And the Cowboys are plus 180 on the money line. I'm listening. I know it might seem like an inflated number, but Oklahoma is coming off the Kansas State mm-hmm. loss. I do like K-State today. Did give away a bet there, but we'll talk about the West Virginia K-State game in a little bit. Um, if if Oklahoma State's able to run and rebound and push the floor, they can keep this thing within two possessions. But this kind of reminds me of the Kansas-Oklahoma State game where Kansas could, or Oklahoma State could not get anything at the rim with Cade Cunningham, which I don't expect them to today against a pretty good interior defense for the Sooners. So I'll be staying away. Uh, how you beat Oklahoma is by hitting threes. Oklahoma State does not hit threes consistently when they can't get to the rim. 
with Cade and play inside out. Uh, so not a play for me. Yeah, I like Oklahoma here in the rebound spot, but five's too much. Interesting, though, is Oklahoma State to me. This is kind of a watch-and-see game. They seem to be peaking at the right time. Uh, I think some of the players besides Cunningham are starting to find their roles. Likely's back. Yeah, so the I, I can't pull the trigger on five. These Big 12 games are just too – I mean, they're phenomenal games to watch, but the, not games I want to lay five or six points in. So I'm going to stay away. The, we'll talk about Kansas State coming up here too. Young team that's starting to play better here at the end of the season, uh, and I know that you like them today against West Virginia. I do. Uh, it's crazy to say that Kansas State is shooting better from three, and you could check out my article on BetQL. Can you download the BetQL app? And hold on one second. You can look at a graphic right now that tells you. BetQL tells you which side professional bettors are picking, real-time line movement, and historical betting results. Download the BetQL app today in the Apple App Store or Google Play. Um, I do like K-State. Uh, it's down to 14.5. I would still take it. West Virginia look-ahead spot with Baylor on deck. And Kansas State could also get to the rim against a West Virginia team that's given up the fifth-highest two-point scoring rate in Big 12 play. Um, uh, Gordon for, for K-State, I think Antonio Gordon might be out. There are two Gordons on the roster. But Deshaun Gordon looked really, looked really good over the last uh, two, three games. He's back. He's healthy. Uh, came up big for K-State against Oklahoma in that upset as 10-point dogs. I don't think uh, K-State upsets West Virginia today outright. But I do think they cover this number. Definitely an inflated number. And I'm high on West Virginia. I think this team has a shot to make a Final Four run in the NCAA tournament. But they give up a lot of open threes. K-State is starting to shoot the uh, three ball better. So I'll be on the Wildcats. Uh, I already am at plus 15. And I would bet this thing down to plus 14. Yeah, I, I kind of like this pick too. The I, I'm high on West Virginia as well. You know, I saw someone say that, you know, there's not, there's not a lot of College basketball isn't great for lookaheads. You know, I kind of agree. I think that's more for football. You know, if Notre Dame's playing Clemson and they're they're playing Navy, they're probably got one eye on Clemson. I agree with that. But this is kind of a sleepy game for West Virginia against a team that's playing. I mean, you, the the players look at this record and, and think that uh, it's Kansas State, but Kansas State's playing a lot better. And this is a team I think is going to be one of the most improved teams in the country next season, Kansas State. So I don't think this is going to be a, an easy game for West Virginia. I think they might start off a little slow. I like taking the 15 here. I, I think there's some value with it. Yeah, and you go back to last year's team even. I, I think they lost a couple pieces the year before that. But you lose Xavier Sneed. You lose Mayween up front. You're going to have a lot of adjusting to do in K-State doesn't have, or at least to begin the season, and still really doesn't have like an interior presence or a perimeter shooter like Xavier Sneed that you can rely on consistently. I mean, that team two years, dude, that team two years ago, I just a quick aside, I know people want the bets and we don't have a lot of time left, but if Dean Wade was healthy, remember they got upset by UC Irvine in the tournament in the first round. I was all over UC Irvine in that game. If Dean Wade was healthy, K-State, they were, they were dominant at times of that season. They beat Texas Tech, the runner-up. So they lost a lot the last couple of years, and to Tom's point, there's some adjusting to do, no doubt about that. Um, Florida at Kentucky, a game that I thought I would be on now that the line is hasn't fluctuated at all. I believe it's still sitting at Kentucky minus two. It is. Uh, got as high as two and a half earlier this morning. Total of 143, and the Gators are plus 112 on the money line. I do think this is a, a Kentucky team that you can give a look to if you're looking for conference tournament futures. Uh, Kentucky's sitting at 14 to one. And I know Tom mentioned this earlier that Arkansas is playing really good ball. Might be better than Alabama at this point in the season. But I think Kentucky's a shot to make a run in the SEC tournament with those bigs. 
question mark is your point guard position with with Askew and Mintz. But Mintz is playing really good ball, not turning the ball over of late. Askew, a little less turnovers um, in the last, what, three games on their winning streak. So I lean Kentucky in this game, and I also uh, wouldn't mind sprinkling some on Kentucky to win the SEC tournament. Yeah, I lean Kentucky too. I just can't take it at this number. I, I think it should be like minus one. I think they're overvalued a little bit here. I, I do think they're going to win this game today. It's just uh, the I know they're, they're the dumbest team in America. They really are. They've been the dumbest team in America all season long. I mean, there's games they should have won by 10, 12 points that went down to the final possession. So I just can't trust laying points with this team. And the perfect example would be the Auburn game. I mean, if you had this line in the Auburn game, you lost in a game that they probably should have won by 15. So sure. it's a pass for me. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of surprised. Like you said, this line, I thought this line would be around one. I know it opened at one and a half. But Florida State coming off that win over Auburn without Sharif Cooper. So I thought the market, either I thought the market was going to come back on Florida or the opener would have been around one and would have hovered around one because of the market perception of Florida coming off back-to-back wins. I will say, I think Mike White has adjusted a little bit from what we saw in that Kentucky win going back to, uh, what, like a month ago when they had Keon Brooks back. And that was that was kind of the reckoning everybody thought for Kentucky uh, in that game with a big win. Then they come back and lose by around 20 to Alabama when Alabama shot the lights out from three and was on that hot stretch from behind the arc. So lead to Kentucky. Honestly, a, a money line parlay that, where is this on my list? Maybe I don't have it because I can't bet it, so I left it off. But a money line parlay and a game I want to get to is Illinois, which I believe is actually next up on the board here. Uh, Illinois at uh, Wisconsin. We did gloss over that game. We'll, we'll run back to it because I would consider a Wisconsin-Kentucky money line parlay. Uh, I think Wisconsin wins this game. It's more of a spot play for me with Ayodosumu out. I know the market, or you might be saying the market, why is why is, uh, why why is Wisconsin minus four and a half? Um, I think it's inflated for a reason without Dosunmu. Big game for Wisconsin, struggling of late, losing three in a row. They've had more than a week off since their Iowa loss. So I'll, I would be on the Badgers, and I wouldn't mind throwing a money line parlay in with the Cats and Wisconsin. Yeah, no doubt. If you had to rank like the worst spots of the year, this might be number one. Illinois, with uh, without their best player, by far their best player, who beat a bad team without him, and now has got to travel to Wisconsin, who's kind of playing desperate with Michigan on deck. Uh, I mean, just Wisconsin's burned me too many times this year. That's a team I was kind of really in on, and I, they just aren't doing it for me. But I kind of see a 12, 15 point win here today for the Badgers. I think they just stifle that offense. Yeah. You know, uh, Sumu had a triple double the first time they played. He just absolutely killed them. I mean, I, I don't, is there a bigger loss in America? Than, no. than him. I, you know what I mean? I think, like, he's, so, I think he's the Naismith player of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, I know Garza's great, but I, I think you can adapt more without a big man than a guy like like the Sumo who, who just controls the game. So the I have a strong lean to Wisconsin today. And, and, and again, if you play, as Eli said, money line parlays, I would definitely have Wisconsin in those. There you go. I'm obviously right there with you. Uh, Illinois second highest two-point scoring rate in Big Ten play. That has a lot to do with Io on the dribble drive, getting to the rim and his pull-ups. Um, yeah, I, I would, I would, I would be on Wisconsin today um, in some sort of money line parlay. And someone's pissed off Stemple Ten that we talked about the game. Uh, Wisco UConn money line parlay. Maybe we didn't touch on UConn Marquette um, with Booknight back. 
Yeah, I, I don't hate that. I don't hate the money line parlay. I'm not a money line uh, parlay player myself, but if I was to go with one today, I think it would be Kentucky and Wisconsin. Um, but not an official play by me. Hopefully, those some of you guys get the reference. Uh, Oregon Cal, just a quick note on it. Oregon playing their sixth game in 13 days. Uh, so less than two weeks, and they're coming up a big win over Stanford, where Duarte just played so well down the stretch. And Cal, I mean, they do turn the ball over a good amount, but they have Matt Bradley, who's one of the more underrated scorers in college basketball. I guess a lean to Cal at nine and a half. I'm probably not going to play it just because of how disastrous they could look. Yeah, I don't have an opinion on this game. The like you said, I, Oregon's playing better, but the, they they're on the road here. Laying just, I'm not interested. Boise State, looking at this line, I believe it's still at six. Uh, so down from the, uh, I believe the opener was seven, six and a half. Uh, now at San Diego State minus six, total of one thirty-five and a half, and the Broncos are plus two fifteen on the money line. You go back to that. I mean, that was a bad beat for people that had Boise State because I think Ray J. Uh, Dennis hit the three to send it to overtime, but his foot was on the line. So anybody who had Boise State didn't cover in overtime because San Diego State still won that game by 12. I mean, do we get a better effort from Boise State or is this just a bad matchup against a team that pressures the fuck out of you and turns you over a lot? And Boise State doesn't, I mean, they don't turn the ball over, but I think those numbers are skewed because the Mountain West besides San Diego State really doesn't have a team that can pressure you like that or does pressure you like that on a consistent basis. Yeah, this line looks right to me. Uh, I think it's right on the money. I, I do expect a better effort from Boise State, but I, I like San Diego State to get the sweep and and win this game. I'm just not I'm not going to lay six in this one. Really quickly, a recap on our bets for everybody. I have a lean to Michigan, Indiana, and it's Indiana. Let's see. No, we're still at seven and a half. I might take it. Stay for the end of the show. We'll see if I end up on on the Hoosiers uh, in about in about literally eight minutes. I guess I have to get my bet in pretty quickly. Um, actually I have 15 minutes. That's good. Um, so Indiana lean, uh, you like, you lean Navy tomorrow. You'll see the results today. You mm-hmm. like American, obviously. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it so far. I, I lean Miami at Beverly plays. I'm on K state plus 14 and a half that we, we haven't missed any bets, right? No, my, my, I have one more coming up. Okay. Uh, so those are our bets so far. Not a, not a, a big card for us, but a lot of games to break down on a huge Saturday slate. Uh, quickly on Creighton Xavier, this line back up to five, uh, got as low as four and a half. I would be on Xavier today if Nate Johnson was going to play. Uh, but he, I believe someone said on Twitter yesterday that he was in a walking boot. Actually, it's back down to four and a half. Uh, Xavier's best shooter could be out today and that's Johnson. So, uh, I think it's a good spot for X, but not going to play it if, uh, Johnson doesn't play and it doesn't, it doesn't look like you will. Yeah, just one quick note on Xavier. I, I think they're a program on the decline. I don't like their head coach. They will be a huge fade for me next year. All right. I I, I don't disagree. A lot of grad transfers this year. Um, next game on the board is, let's see, TCU at Iowa State. My second play, official play of the day on the show, Cyclones. Uh, it's not popping up for me. Let's see what the line is at Camby. Cyclones are favored by a point at Camby, total of 141, and TCU is minus 105 on the money line. So about a pick, uh, Iowa state minus minus one fifteen on the money line. I really like the cyclones in this spot, even though you have Samuel who's a pretty good big for the horn frogs. Iowa state scores a ton inside third highest two point scoring rate. They lost by six cover that line, uh, plus six and a half at TCU a couple weeks back. Um, I think TCU's or I think Iowa state's ball handlers are able to get into the lane, especially Rasir Bolton to set up Iowa state's perimeter offense. 
and, and they could score down low too with Solomon uh, Young. And uh, I like Iowa State uh, to get their first Big 12 win of the season today. Yeah, you're the Iowa State guy, so I'll, I'll leave this to you. I mean, I, I I prefer when you give me Iowa State getting like 17 points. I don't. It's, it's hard for me to put like I'm Iowa State. Oklahoma. Iowa State minus one submit. <laughs> you know, the team that has yeah. two wins on the year. But I do kind of lean with you that they'll get their first win today at home against TCU. Okay. So, Sykes, so are you? Would you bet it if it was minus one ten both ways? Pick them. Um. I don't know if I'd bet it, to be honest with you. I do lean the Iowa State, but uh, it's just not enough of a – I don't have a strong enough uh, – I'm, I'm only going to take it because you you know Iowa State. That's that's what I'll say. You're pretty – you have a pretty good feel for Iowa State, and I'm big on people who have certain feels for certain conferences and teams, so I'll trust your judgment on this one. Okay. So Tom's tailing that one, and I appreciate that. I would, I would tail your American pick if it was still five, but – it's not it's probably, they're probably a six-point favorite by now, the way the line's moving. <laughs> hey, with that with that small of a handle, um, I mean the, the line moves quick uh for five to three and a half. Me and the um, me and the other two sharps are all are, are all over American today. Look out. <laughs> there you go. Uh Louisville at Duke. Uh Louisville, I believe that line is down to five and a half or down to five. Uh with juice on Louisville. Uh Duke minus five, total of 141, and the Cardinals are plus 175 on the money line. I would consider a sprinkle on Louisville. You know, the market's really high on Duke. They're playing really good ball. One four in a row, I believe. Um, going into this game, Matthew Hurd is playing exceptionally well. The difference is, I know Louisville's offense can be anemic in conference play, and it has been. Uh, I believe it's the uh, third lowest adjusted offensive efficiency in ACC play. But David Johnson's back. Uh, he had the illness the last couple of days, the last couple of games. I know Louisville's third game off COVID layoff, but... I think uh, Louisville's perimeter defense is a huge factor in this game against a Duke team that's relied on their three-point shooting. And Louisville also wants to score inside a lot. Uh, besides the fact they're a really good rebounding team, they should be able to get to the rim with Carlick Jones and David Johnson and also Malik Williams, who's uh, played his first two games of the season this year. So really like Louisville, got him at five and a half yesterday. And uh, if you want to take the five, take the five. Uh, maybe a little sprinkle on the money line too. Yeah, did you ever look at a game for like 30 minutes and gen then just come to the realization, man, I got nothing. That's how, how I kind of was on this game. I was trying to find some edge to take Louisville. You know, I, I hear your point that there's some value there on the number, but I just can't I can't get a strong opinion either way about this game. So this is a complete pass for me. Okay. Uh, so that's my second official play on the board, K-State and Louisville. Let's see how some of these injuries shake out um, for Miami. And I believe there's one other game I was looking at. No, just Miami um, as a lean. And then Indiana, just waiting to see if that number gets back up to eight in the next five minutes. Um, on to Alabama, Mississippi State. I believe this is one of your plays, Tom. Alabama is sitting at, let's see here. A lot of Alabamas on the board. Minus five and a half on the road at Miss State. Total of 144. And the uh, Mississippi State is plus 190 on the money line. Yeah, I would. I got this at five on the opener. I would take it up to six, no higher. The what I like this spot for Alabama. I like the matchup. One thing is that they haven't been great on the road as of late. They, you know, they lost to Arkansas. They lost to Missouri. They lost to Oklahoma. They beat an awful South Carolina team by three. So that's a little bit concerning. But I do like the matchup. I like their ball pressure against these young Mississippi State guards. So I think it's a nice bounce back spot for, for Alabama. You look at Mississippi State, like 
second in the country in turnover percentage. I think that's going to be the difference today. I don't think Alabama, we've mentioned this a couple times on the show, I don't think their effort level was all that high against Arkansas. And those Arkansas kids, man, were sticking it to them. They were given the three signs. I mean, I think Alabama, they got a good coach in Nate Oates. They come to play today and they win this game by double digits. I agree with you just going back to that Arkansas game. It seemed like Jordan Bruner was trying to force himself into the offense, especially in the second half, taking some of those threes. Hopefully he's hopefully their offense is just a little bit more in tune today with Bruner back. Mississippi State, like you said, three-point defense, not great. Uh, bottom 60 in college basketball and opponents three-point scoring rate. Alabama obviously relies on threes. They're top 10. Mississippi State's backcourt is playing a lot better, though, and mm-hmm. they showed that in that Alabama game when they covered – believe the line closed at around 10 and a half, 11 uh, with Molinar and Stewart. So I kind of like Mississippi state getting two possessions, but uh, not enough to, not enough to bet it. And I, I mean, if Alabama again gets in sync offensively with Bruner should be able to win this game by a couple possessions too. Yeah. I mean, it's uh it's playing a little bit better, but it was only uh, uh, two weeks ago where they got blown out at home by Vanderbilt by 21. So, I mean, it's a, you know, the, they beat South Carolina, which I don't even consider a win the way that team's playing. And they got Mississippi. That was, that was a good win. So, I mean, just looking back, the, you know, they got blown out by LSU at home. They got blown out by Vanderbilt at home. I'm not ready to jump on the Mississippi state train yet. Okay. Uh, Last game to get to today. And then we'll hit on a couple Sunday spots is Baylor at Kansas. This line was at five yesterday, got steamed up in the opener at three and a half. Now it's back down to three and a half. So KU is a home dog, by the way. I was looking at a college basketball database. Kansas is a home dog, and this goes back to 97, 98. For the first time in, so what, that's 23 years, they're a home underdog. And it's against arguably the best team in college basketball in Baylor. But Baylor is coming off their second game off the COVID layoff when they played pretty poorly against Iowa State. Maybe a look at spot. You can make the case in that game. Uh, but either way, Baylor is minus three and a half on the road. Juice on Kansas, total of 142. And the Jayhawks are plus 135 on the money line. Yeah, this is this game's uh is tonight. You know, I'm gonna have a good buzz going either way, whatever happens in that American game. So I'm gonna sit back and watch this one. There's just no value for me to take Kansas. I understand Kansas is playing better, and and, and I know Baylor's still coming off the layoff, but to me, Kansas is still a notch below the better teams in the country. And now Baylor only has to win by three and a half. I think this game is going to be close. It's good. I think it's going to be kind of like the Illinois game earlier this year where Kansas plays tough for a while, but it's just too much Baylor at the end. Uh, not enough value for me at three and a half. If David McCormick plays at the level that he's been playing at, got in foul trouble in that Texas game, couldn't really get into a rhythm offensively, Kansas can keep this thing within a possession, uh, especially because Baylor doesn't really have the size to match up against a physical big like McCormick. Um, also if Kansas is hitting their threes, I mean, Agbaji went cold in the second half against Texas, got really out in the first half. Brown was kind of off and on, uh, hit a big shot against Texas Tech to cover that line, officially cover that line last Saturday. I, I leaned to Kansas would, might've pulled the trigger if it was still five, but I'm not playing it now that it's still, now that it's down back down to the opener of three and a half. So that's our Saturday breakdown. And hopefully you stick around here for the next five minutes as we take a look at the Sunday spots. A few big games, a, a triple header on CBS that I want to get to. Uh, first up is Villanova at Butler. Um, this line on Kempom is currently 10. I'm assuming it's going to open around, open around nine, nine and a half. Uh, Butler coming off that big win over Seton Hall uh, by nine. They were, I think, 
what, seven and a half point dogs at home at Hinkle. And Villanova's playing really well defensively, uh, winning a couple back-to-back games. They shut down St. John's, held them to 58, and held the, a UConn team that had book night to 60. Um, and, and would you consider taking Butler or stay away? Uh, this is a stay away. Uh, the only, I mean, the, the total is probably not going to be that high, but if it's around 133, 134, I would might consider the under here. Like you mentioned, Villanova's defense starting to play better and Butler has very little offense. So I could see this being a low scoring game in the fifties, sixties, but the, I, I can't take Butler that Villanova, like we thought after they lost the crate and kind of woke up a little bit and, and I don't see them really losing a, another game. I, I will say Wednesday, they get Creighton at home. That could be a long day for Creighton. It's a good point. Um, Bryce Enzi. Yeah. Especially in a rematch game. Uh, Bryce Enzi is, was back for Butler in that Seton Hall game means a lot to this team, but not in terms of consistency offensively. They're still really inefficient offensively, even in that Seton Hall win uh, under a point per possession. 0.97 points per possession to be exact for that Bulldogs team. So I don't trust this team enough against a Villanova defense that is starting to hit its peak really for the first time. And I want to say like three years since that title team uh, that beat Michigan. I haven't seen Villanova play this well since uh, defensively. And you might say it's the competition, but over a two game stretch, we'll see if they continue that against Butler, but I will not be back in the Bulldogs. Uh, Michigan State at Maryland. Kempon makes this line. It was five yesterday. Now it's up to six. Is the market going to inflate Maryland, or is the opener going to be inflated on the Terps, uh, considering they've beaten, what, Nebraska and Rutgers in their last three games, and they've won four games in a row overall? Are you telling me Michigan State's getting six points? Is that what you're saying? That's the Kempom line. Oh, the, there's no way that line's six. No way. Now, the, the, I think that's going to be closer to four. The, they open that thing six. I mean, this is an even game. It's two teams playing well. Like you said, uh, Maryland's beating some dog teams here. Michigan State has not beaten dog teams. Very impressive win over Ohio State, I thought. I kind of leaned uh, the Buckeyes in a, in a get-right spot there, and I thought they had a chance in that game to start pulling away, but Michigan State wouldn't let it happen, showing some toughness they didn't have earlier in the year. This game six, look out, man. I mean, uh, I, I'll run to my, to my bookie's house with two bags full of money. So – if you get two possessions with Michigan State, I, I was really impressed with them defensively, too. I'm just staring at this Indiana line to see if it gets to eight, but it doesn't look like it will. Probably just going to pass on the game. Uh, maybe take IU second half. Um, and, and I like Maryland, too. But, you know, Michigan State's got wins now over Indiana, Illinois, and Ohio State. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. No, listen, I, I agree. Um, I, both teams are playing really well defensively, to be fair, overall. Um, I, I think Tom Izzo has truly found his lineup. If you go back to the beginning of the season with Hauser in it, uh, Joey Hauser, uh, but Aaron Henry, Gabe Brown, just looking at the box, Josh Langford, who's been inconsistent from in the field overall this season, and Rocket Watts and Julius Marble, who's a really aggressive big for them, especially defensively. You get Watts, Langford, Brown, and Henry in the same lineup. That's Michigan State's best chance. And if I know Foster Lawyer didn't play against Ohio State, but message to Tom Izzo, do not put him back in the starting lineup. Um, but I lean to... Michigan State tomorrow, especially if we're getting four again, um, even though Maryland is playing well defensively and it's Michigan State's offense can be inefficient. I do really like Michigan State getting two possessions the way they're playing at the other end. One more game to hit on is Iowa at Ohio State. And news I saw earlier today, Jack Nungy, um, I don't know if it was a torn ACL, but his knee, season-ending knee surgery for Jack Nungy. 
Uh, and the Hawkeyes are, I believe, going to be a one-point dog. Um, at least that's what the projection is, Ohio State uh, by one at home in Columbus. Is this a bounce-back spot for the Buckeyes? Sure is. They got the right opponent for it. The Let's look at Iowa against really good teams. Gonzaga, blown out. Illinois, lost. Uh, Ohio State, lost. Michigan, blown out. Um, I, I don't get it with this team. Are they a decent team? Yeah. Why Ken Palm has them number five, I'll never know. The I I just again I think they're a notch below the really really good teams and I think that's shown. I mean yeah they're going to beat up on your Northwesterns. They have too much offense for that. But sure. when you play teams like Ohio State who can exploit that defense, you know ranked 79th in defensive efficiency, coming off two losses, this is a really nice spot, especially with the injury that you just mentioned. Really nice spot to back the Buckeyes. I'm staying away. I'll take Ohio State, and the line's probably going to jump up by half a point a point. But if Connor McCaffrey plays, because he meant a lot to that Iowa team, especially in the second half when him and Nunji went down. But I lean towards, I kind of like Iowa tomorrow. I don't I, I don't like Ohio State at all. Um, I, I don't understand why the market is still over this Buckeyes team. I, I'm not saying you're, you're wrong in the sense that this could be a bounce back spot for Ohio State. But man, three-point percentage. Opponents' three-point percentage is starting to come back the other way like I thought for Ohio State. They're giving up a lot of three, good three-point looks to the opponent. And if you give open three-point shots, even without Nunji and potentially McCaffrey to Iowa, to kind of McCaffrey, that is, um, I, I kind of like Iowa if this thing gets to two-and-a-half, three, even though this is your prototypical bounce-back spot for Ohio State. Yeah, you like Iowa more than I do. Um, to me, they're Which a team. surprising. The, yeah, well, the, to me, they're a team – yeah, I'm six and one in Iowa games this year, and I think I have a good feel for them. They're a team that can beat up on the lower to average teams, you know, your Rutgers, your Minnesotas, your Northwesterns. But then when they step up in competition, you know, it just hasn't been there. I mean, what's their best win of the season? Wisconsin, Michigan State, uh, right. you know. Uh, so that, that that's my point is that I need to see Iowa do it. And listen, I thought, listen, we were against each other on the other Ohio State Iowa game, which. Ohio State won, but that was an even game. I mean, it was 89-85, could have won either way. They yeah, were up. They were up by double right. digits in the second, and, second I, half. And, like, I don't think this is a guarantee. Like, I agree with you. This is different. I I don't know what the hell that line was doing opening at four against Michigan. That I, I love odds makers. I don't know what they were doing there. But sure. Ohio State, to me, and we said this last week when we took Michigan, is not Michigan. The they're a, they're a good offensive team, so this is the kind of game where Iowa I think can go you know point for point with Ohio State. Uh, Moya, if this game's low scoring, they're really going to have to try, you know, to do that because I I don't see how either team stops the uh, the other. So maybe uh maybe if you like Iowa or Ohio State, maybe a team total over here might be a play too. Yeah, especially with Ohio State's defense. This one's I think this one's going over overall. So I'm I'm kind of with you there on the thought process. I think Iowa is a bounce back game offensively, even if you put Keon Garza again, like they like Ohio State shut him down in the last matchup. I, I am trying to get my bet in, by the way, on on Iowa or not on Iowa, on Indiana. Now it's off the board. Um, but I'm gonna bet Indiana. I decided at some point here in the next two minutes when the when the when the lines put back up. So recapping our bets, I'm on Indiana officially, uh Iowa State as well, K-State and Louisville. And uh, why don't you recap your bets, Tom, and we'll get out of here. Yep, I have American. Uh, I have them at uh, plus four and a half. Uh, they're around three, three and a half right now. And I have Alabama at minus five. Would play that up to minus six. 
Okay, so those are our bets. We appreciate everybody that watched and listened to BetQL. You could download the BetQL app and you could also check out this graphic. Uh, BetQL tells you which side professional bettors are picking, real-time line movement, and historical betting results. Download the BetQL app in the Apple App Store or Google Play. That'll do it for myself, Eli Herskovich. You can follow me there on Twitter. Follow Tom on Twitter at the Tom Casali. We'll talk to you on Tuesday's edition of the BetQLU podcast presented by BetQL.